All right, welcome in. It's episode 69 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast, alongside Craig Morgan. I'm not going to say anything. No, you're not? For the whole podcast? I can't promise that. Okay. And uh, special guest, are we calling him Sebastian Noren? Possible Jamie replacements? I'm Luke Lipinski. Cap-induced replacement. Yeah. I just want to point this out because Sebastian only asked for a black coffee today, Jamie, which is cheaper than what you get normally, so yeah, he might stick around a while. Oh, he he gets one of those. Yeah, he's one of those guys. Oh, nah, okay. he's not really. He, he actually gets a, a an iced coffee with cream and sugar, which is, you know, it's that's, it's not a. Don't look at a, my drink when you when iced you chai it. latte. Hey, you know what? That's nobody's <laughs> business. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever gets this show rolling, you'll have to I deal with that. That'll be edited out. No, oh, it'll probably be emphasized. <laughs> Whatever. We could call this the iced chai latte. I have episode. no regrets. You could call every episode that because I have one during every episode. Well, and it should, works. Sometimes they're hot. Well, you know, it's, it's getting warmer here. It's already yeah. the, the end of January. That's right. So, yeah, we had to make the cap move. Jamie we, was jettisoned off to Alabama for some reason. And uh, Sebastian is here. Flew all the way in from Sweden? No. Nope. Ohio. No, either way. Yep. It's still quite the fly. By, by way of Sweden. Yes. Yeah. Just to do this podcast. Just to do this podcast. That's commitment right yep. there. So look, there's a lot of there's a lot of hockey news to get to this week, but I feel like since Sebastian made the the flight all the way from Ohio, we should start with a with a note on Henrik Sedin, don't you agree? Yeah, that's a good case okay. to start. A thousand career points now, or he hits the thousand point barrier. I gotta say, I was a little thrown off that he and Daniel didn't hit the thousand points on the exact same play. That's sort of right. That you would think they'd sync week. that up a little bit. Yeah. yeah, they share their points, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's like a shared bank account, basically. Yep. Um, I don't know, how did Daniel fall behind him? Is it just he's missed some games? I think so, yeah. All right. So they probably are in the exact same point-per-game ratio. He did set up his goal. Of course. Yeah. I mean, all right. So That was fitting. Uh, you know, I had a, a conversation with EL about this, Oliver ekman Larson yesterday, about I, I wonder sometimes if these guys are as respected as they should be. I think they are in NHL circles, but outside, you know, they haven't won the cup. And so many player, great players get judged by that very fact and that fact alone. But what these two have done, not only not only with their play and how they elevated that franchise, they were the face of that franchise. They still are, but obviously Vancouver is not what it was when it was going to the cup finals. They're just both class acts. The way they carry themselves, the way they represent that franchise, I think these guys probably deserve a little more attention even than they've received in their careers. Yeah, I, th- I think the the fact is, too, that they're from a small town in Sweden called Örnsköldsvik. Say that again. Örnsköldsvik. A third time, please. Örnsköldsvik. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's a pretty small place, but they've just churned out so many good players. you got Sedin Twins, Peter Forsberg from there, Marcus Naslund is from there, and the list goes on. But it's, you know, you're looking at a population of... 29,000 in the city. That's insane. Or the city, it's a village, basically. Uh, you know, so for them to be able to to churn out so many good players, and I, I think that really, that small, you know, town mentality really sticks with those guys because I, I think that Peter Forsberg also, even though he was one of the best players in the league when he was, you know, during his height, also super down to earth. Yeah, and has continued to be so. I mean, ever since. Complete player too. We've talked about this before, without a doubt, on my short list of favorite non-Blackhawks all time in this league. He's yeah. just 
again, the complete player. No weakness to his game. There's probably something, I'm just trying to do the math. It looks like Daniel's played 23 less games than Henrik, so maybe that is why he's 33 points behind him. Um, There probably is something to the fact, too, that, that they don't really talk about themselves a lot. It's not like there's a lot of braggadocious NHL players, but the Sedins are definitely nowhere on that list if there if there is such a list. Um, and being in Vancouver, I mean, we all remember the year they went to the Cup. Not only do they not maybe get as much respect outside of Vancouver, but Vancouver fans are passionate enough where if you don't bring them a Cup, and nobody ever has, yeah. they kind of turn on you, too. That's definitely true. And there, there's... There's some criticism of, of, of the Sedins outside of Vancouver as well. That's childish. We, we've heard that as well, right? There is, but you would you would expect criticism outside of your fan base. Yeah. Right or wrong, you would expect it. But within your own fan base, I don't know that they even get propped up that much. I still think if that team is healthy, go, when they go into the Cup Finals, they win it all. I still think they're the best team in the league that year. I don't think Boston wins that series. It's it's a shame. It's it's the reality of the game. That's yeah. part of the playoffs. I mean, that's it's a war of attrition, but... It's not the only year that you could probably make that argument, but True. That, that was quite the series. That was one of the better uh, series over the last decade. We were looking at this the other day. There's only been two Game 7s in the Stanley Cup in the last 10 years. Like That's kind of crazy if you really think about it. You would, you would think more of these series would go deep. There's Ain't going to be one this year. It <laughs> <laughs> could be. We might, we might see a sweep this year. Oof. I don't know who's coming out of the West. All right. The only, only way that might not happen is if the East representative is just so exhausted. Yeah, I mean, it would actually, I shouldn't say I don't know who's coming out of the West. It's been a point of contention on the show. I absolutely know who's coming out of the West, but there's mm. I, I, just not many other good teams there this year. All right, so uh, along that line, for as much as everybody made vi- fun of Vancouver in the offseason as a team that would yeah. basically just start printing out the Nolan Patrick jerseys back in July, uh, and I was I was right there on that that uh, that crew of people that didn't think they had a chance to make the playoffs, and I still don't think they will. They're a point out of a playoff spot right now. Yeah, a lot of factors at play here. They've they've lost what what is it four more games than they've won. Yeah, but they were overall. doing this last year. They they got to overtime and lost all the time. Yeah, it's, the Western Conference is not very good this year. No, and the, the thing is too that with the big disappointments of Dallas and Nashville, it sort of throws everything around, and then you got Calgary playing you know a little bit above their where I would put them right until now. the last couple of games. I'm saying the last couple of games. Yeah, they've been uh, what did the coach said pathetic. That's right. Yeah, um, among other things. Yeah. So, you know, you've seen a lot of teams in the Kings without quick, you know, they're still in that group of teams also chasing a playoff spot, and they're on a bad run of games too. So it really shakes up the whole dynamic, and we've seen a little bit of this in the Eastern Conference too, although it's so tight there. But, I mean, Columbus just shocking everybody, sort of throws everything off the rails too. With Vancouver, I you know I had this talk with Jim Benning when when the Canucks were in town probably a month ago. I'm trying to remember. Well, they're was. back. You they're back now. The, the, we could we could update this. They but, play the Coyotes you know, every two. Their weeks. belief is that they can do this on the fly. That they don't need to drop to the bottom. That they can you know they they believe in some of the young young talent. I'm still not convinced. I still wonder what happens to this team when when the Sedins walk away. Um, I, I think they might bottom out a little more than they realize. But that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to infuse you. Stay relevant, stay competitive. Part of that's the market. It's it's really hard to be irrelevant in that market. You're going to make a lot of people angry. And so do you, do you want to waste the end of the Sedin's career too? Right, and that's yeah, and that's that's true too. You can't move these guys because they they have to move together. So you can't trade them. They're, you don't have an option there. So 
and, and I know we've criticized Vancouver for not bottoming out, and I still think they had other opportunities, but it does add a dimension when you talk about two guys that you can't move off your roster that represent such a great percentage of your cap. Well, we have criticized Vancouver, but it, it wasn't so much that they need to completely bottom out. It was just if you can get assets for guys that aren't going to be a part of your future, maybe you should do it. I kind of find it refreshing that, that they're not trying to bottom out. That seems to sort of be a theme in sports right now. Uh, of teams that are just like, okay, we'll just be terrible for a couple years. I think in the NHL, you look around and, and you realize if you're terrible, you're just going to be watching Edmonton get the number one pick anyway. And so I think that there's a certain element of teams trying to do it the way Detroit has done it for so many years, including Detroit, who's trying to do that this year as well, where you hang around in the playoff picture while also building for the future. But I think Detroit, A, has done it a few times in the past, and B is in a better situation to do it again. Even like Detroit, they may miss the playoffs this year by a couple points, but that might be their version of bottoming out. Whereas Vancouver, I- yeah, when you look at the pieces, you say, okay, what are, what are they about? Bo Horvat's having a nice season. Okay, that's so, fine. Yeah, There's one. That, but yeah, exactly. Beyond that, and why did they go out and sign Louis Erickson forever? I, yeah, forever. I mean, that's uh, that's to play uh, with the Swedes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's ask our resident Swede. That's a line of Swedes yeah, right there. Basically, I mean, they so they play. wanted a, a guy who could play with the Swedes because yeah. Redeem Verbata didn't know how to do that his first season up there. Oh, he was very good his first season up there, and then he didn't play with them the second no. season. No, I mean they, they they play together for Team Sweden during the World Cup, and they really, I mean, Vancouver must have been delighted with what they saw there. I mean, it really hasn't come to. I I, I still think the Canucks are playing. A lot better than I expected them to do, yeah. but it's not like that line is no. lighting. Louis Erickson has twenty one points. It's yeah. not like he's lighting it up. No, and, and at a certain point, even though everybody in the league except two teams is, is very much in the playoff race right now, there's still only going to be sixteen teams that make the playoffs. So there's going to be a lot of teams that they haven't changed that, right? No, not yet. Uh, there's going to be a lot of teams that just end up missing Hoosiers out and at the end of the on year. Ice. Hoosiers on ice. Oh, the Indiana State playoffs. You know how they. Everybody makes it. Oh. In high school, you don't know this. No. Never mind. Every team in Indiana yeah, makes the playoffs? Makes the playoffs and compete. It's kind of cool, actually. It's a, it's a unique thing. Now, I'm not sure it's a good idea, but... I don't know if I like this or not. So the regular season means nothing? Well, if we're seeding, it means something, so... Okay. So you get to beat that team you play first by 40 points, but hey, they made the state tournament, so... Do they have, like, a lot of... a chance. It's, it's, it, it opens up the idea of a Hoosier type performance okay. where some Cinderella makes its way to the state championship. Was that like a theme in Hoosiers? I've only seen Hoosiers once. Sorry, am, I, am I dating myself? Again? No, no, no. Hoosiers is a classic movie. I think Barbara Streisand sang it. You, I was going to say, you haven't referenced Barbara Streisand, so you're okay. <laughs> but yeah, you ruined I'm that. I'm trying to remember what that was called in Swedish because it did have a different name in Swedish. Hoosiers had a different name in Swedish? Yeah, it, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, how do what, you translate Hoosiers? Yeah, I don't know. Well, well, the thing is that for some reason, not as much anymore, but they did do it um, that way back where they would translate movie titles into Swedish. But don't a lot of people in Sweden speak English? They do. And the movie is still in English. It's just subtitles. <laughs> just the titles. Yeah, but and then they changed the title for some reason. Like it's, it's pretty strange. I just assumed that they... Did they, like, airbrush the Swedish jersey with the three crowns on all of them? I feel like that's <laughs> what the, every, every movie in Sweden just has the, the Swedish hockey jersey. It's an awesome jersey, by it's, the way. It is a fantastic jersey. I, I cannot argue with that. Let's, uh, let's, let's hit on Calgary, because that's a team that, as Sebastian said, their coach just called them pathetic within the last 24 hours, and yet if the season yeah. ended today, 
their pathetic run would have them in the playoffs in the first round facing Minnesota. So that speaks to the bigger picture of the West really being shaky outside of Minnesota, Chicago, and San Jose. And and Anaheim. Who who are the teams you trust in the West right now, those four teams? Which teams did you just mention? Minnesota, Chicago, San Jose, and Anaheim. To make the playoffs, yeah. Just, like, those teams are solid. They, if they were playing... I still think St. Louis gets in. I don't, I don't see St. Louis missing the playoffs. Oh, we'll get to them in a second. Don't you worry. <laughs> All right. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I know where this is going. But, uh, but in terms of Calgary, is this... I mean, it's a lot right, of things. It's a lot of things. They're still really young. Start there. They're still really young. And people forget this because they made that playoff run a couple years ago, and it sort of accelerated everything, and then they sort of got back to where they probably should have been. But their goaltending's been abysmal, right? Yeah, both Ryan ends Elliott. of it now. Yeah, and now Chad Johnson can't play either. I mean, they just got they went to Canada and just got bombed in back-to-back games there. Sam Bennett was scratched two games ago. And you know they love getting just blown out by Edmonton, too. That, I'm sure that doesn't make the situation seem a thousand times worse than it actually is. Yeah. And I said they went to Canada. They're obviously in Canada, but <laughs> Toronto, Montreal. I was going to let that yeah, slide. Thanks for that. <laughs> But here's another thing that's interesting, and, and a guy that we know well, their their general manager Brad Brad Trillaby, has no contract yeah. beyond this year. I was going to ask you that. So what's the deal there? What's what's the deal? What's the deal Well, I mean, that's he, a really good question. The thing now, is, too, that I mean, is he really? He's not in charge of that team, though. He's made some really good moves, though. He has made some good moves, and and again, they are young, so you they gotta find a goaltender. That's that's priority oh, number yeah. one. But that's been his only real misstep, though, right? Is going after Brian Elliott, and it's not like he gave up a ton to get him. No, and he's cheap. He he doesn't cost him a lot of money, so it's it's really not a bad move. It's he's he's on an expiring contract. Yeah, but so. the thing with Brian Elliott is he's either phenomenal or he's the world's worst goaltender in the league. But you like, have flexibility beyond this year. If, yeah. it, if it doesn't work out. Fine. Yep. We'll just go another route, and, and that's probably what they're going to do. I would I would imagine they'll make a play for one of the names that we've discussed many times on this podcast. But it, what's going on with Brad's contract? I mean, we're we're in late January now. It's it's coming time to be discussing that. Are they? Is this a wait and see by Brian Burke? Are we going to be a playoff team? And if if they're not a playoff team, does that mean he's in trouble? Well, that kind of goes against the thought that this is a young team and they have time, and if, if Brian Elliott doesn't work out, you just get a new goalie next year. Like, that's all fine and good for Calgary in the big picture, but if you're Brad Tree Living and you have to make the playoffs this year, then you need Brian Elliott to be good this year, and that has absolutely not been the case. Yeah, it's a very young team. I would My, my initial thought when that was sort of brought to the into the spotlight you know, about a couple weeks ago that Brad Tree Living doesn't still have a, a contract for next year was just, okay, well, whatever, they're working on it. He's done a lot of good things. He's made some savvy pickups. He got that deal done for Dougie Hamilton. Like, he's, he's done some good things. But then, like Sebastian just said, you look and you realize Brian Burke is, is there. So at any, at any point, he could just step right in and be like, okay, this team's about to get really good. I'm taking over. I'm, I'm going to take credit. Yeah, I mean, he wouldn't be the first guy to do that. No, that's true. I, I guess I, I just I'm perplexed that why why would it get to this point? Why why are you waiting so long for your general manager to resign? I, I... Look at the same point. If if Brian Elliott just is serviceable the rest of the way, they probably make the playoffs. I mean, they're in a spot right now and they haven't played all that well. Here, Sebastian is. You follow the Kings pretty closely, right? Yeah, I watch a game or two. Okay. <laughs> in the last four years, by the way. Calgary's only 20 goals in the last four years. That's not yeah. good. 
What do you think? What do you make of LA this season? They're hanging around. They don't have Jonathan Quick. It sounds like he won't be back till March. Yeah, March. I mean, that that's sort of been. I don't know why that became a story again. I, I thought that that was common knowledge for a while. Yeah, that it was what out. was out there initially. I, I think it was more that it was nebulous. No, oh, okay. that was sort of a, a rough estimate. And now, as we get closer to the date, I think people are realizing, yeah, it, it actually is going to be March. He's yeah. not going to be ahead of schedule. I should warn you. Sebastian, Craig uses words like nebulous on this podcast, so just be prepared. Well, I mean, that's good. We need to be a higher-level yeah. podcast, you know? No, I, I mean, without Jamie here just grunting and yelling at us, I feel, yeah. like, I feel like we've really taken off this week. <laughs> <laughs> so. no, I mean, no, but I mean, looking at the Kings, yes, being without Quick really hurts this team because although he's not an elite goal tender, I mean, he makes a lot of flashy saves. He's a good, good goaltender to watch on TV. But if you look at his, you know, play five on five, he's, you know, average. There's such a divide on him. Yes. Yeah. Inside, you talk to players, and they think Jonathan Quick is just unbelievable in it. Because I think when he's on his game, he's one of the toughest goalies in the league yep. to beat. So but if you if you face him when he's on his game, in good the playoffs, luck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If he's if he gets on one of those roles, but you can say that about a few other guys, right? But it's it's about. But he has two cups. Doing yeah. Yes. Yeah, and but, I mean, but, especially that first run, he was the amazing. First one, he was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, looking at that, they, I feel like Peter Budai has come in and done phenomenal for being, you know, Peter Budai. I mean, he's an AHL goaltender, basically. Yeah. yeah. Jeff Sakoff has been abysmal. And that's probably putting it nicely. He's he is what he is. He really is an AHL goalie. He's a he's a decent AHL goalie. Yeah, and, and they, I mean, they brought it. Him in to be, you know, cheap backup to Quick, who usually plays a lot of games, too. Yeah. I mean, he does such a heavy workload. And then, you know, Quick goes down, and then they're like, okay, Sakoff is horrible. Let's bring in or call up Budai. He's done a serviceable job. If they can just stay afloat until Quick comes back, I think they'll be able to squeeze in. What do you th- We've talked about this on the show before, and I should say for people that don't know, Yes, Sebastian is from Sweden, and yes, he lives in Ohio now, and yes, he used to live here, but he spent a lot of time in California watching the Kings, so he actually does follow the Kings pretty closely. Yes. How dangerous do you think that team is? We were talking on the, me and Craig were talking on the drive over here, or actually while we were waiting in line for 47 minutes for our coffees, because somebody was ordering every single coffee in the restaurant, apparently. We're talking about beans. Yes. Um, it was ugly. I mean, it was <laughs> ridiculous. So we were third in line, and we sat there for 15 minutes. This is the most angry I've ever seen Craig about anything that didn't involve Kevin Shattenkirk. So, if if you are Minnesota or whoever gets the number one seed, and and you know you've you fought all season to be the number one seed in the West, and you look and LA sneaks in with two days left, that's not really a team you want to play in the first round of the playoffs, is it? No, no, not at all. Especially if you know, I don't know the timeline on Toffoli, but seeing that Toffoli's been out, and you know we we saw Toffoli really come into his own last season. He started scoring a lot of goals. I think that a lot of people had high hopes for him to continue that this, this season. It's been ruined by injuries. And then Anja Kopitar, having a very subpar season, also struggled a bit with injuries. But if everybody everybody gets back healthy, yeah, this is this could be a real tough team to beat in the playoffs. They still have those nasty possession numbers like we yeah. just talked about. Jonathan Quick gets hot. Oof. And, I mean, Jeff Carter has just oh. carried this team. Yeah, he's been their best player. Yeah, he's been so good. 
I would not want to face that team in the first round. It, that would just be such a bad, bad draw for Minnesota to have to face that team. Well, and I understand that San Jose run them, ran them pretty well right out of the building last year. But again, San Jose went to the Stanley Cup. There was a lot of build-up frustration between those two teams because they don't like each other. And San Jose, I think, probably had a little bit extra specifically for L.A. You think? After yes. 0-3-0 series lead? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... I, I do think it's different if a team like Minnesota or somebody else just happens to get L.A. In, in round one. That's I don't know that L.A. is capable of winning the Cup, but that's not a team I'd necessarily want to play in round one. Oh, they can do some damage, though. Speaking of San Jose, made a deal of their own. Tommy Wingles, Chicago I lo- guy. I love it when you make segues. I, I thought you were doing that. I, I actually thought that's where you were going with the San Jose It was. See, I Everything we ties together. Working together here. It's all, it's all going to wrap up with Hendrickson. Twins. Twins. Yeah. yeah. See? That's just to say, though, this show will end back on the scenes. We're developing that chemistry now. You know, it takes time. This is like a line that was just put together, and I don't even remember who the third while, guy you, used to You know be. where he's going to be without even looking. So, yeah. Yeah. so what were you going to say about going. Tommy Wingles? Well, he was traded. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's breaking Big news daughter, on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. I just, just thoughts on this. I mean, it seems pretty clear. I mean, Doug Wilson comes out and says, we've got some rookies who have shown that they're ready for more playing time and that, that's probably what he has to say publicly. To me, this is shedding some salary cap so they can make a move at the deadline. They've got almost $2.5 million available now. San Jose is probably a team that's looking to add something as they make another run at the Cup, especially when you look at the situations of Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe. Maybe at the end of their careers. Well, I don't know what's wrong with Patrick Marlowe. He gets four goals a period. You, go. what's, yeah. what's, I, you would sign him forever, right? <laughs> Against Colorado, so it only counts as two goals. Um <laughs> Look, San Jose's set up pretty well. We we hinted to uh, about this earlier. There's not a whole lot going on in the West right now. So normally I wouldn't think a team just fresh off a run to the Stanley Cup where they ended up losing, but they still made it through three playoff series would be in line to do it again. And, you know, like I've said numerous times on the show, I don't think they'll represent the West this year, but they're right there. So why wouldn't you make a run? They're very capable of doing it. Yeah, I mean, they, they got a couple of really good pieces, Burns, Probably having, you know, one of his best seasons ever. He's going to win the Norris, right? We can just give it to him at this point. Uh, Barring anything unforeseen, yeah, yeah, I I can't see any way he doesn't. I mean, if you're going to average a point a game as a defenseman. Although if if Drew Doughty, you know, if he could win it last season without being the best defenseman, you know. That's... That's true. It's true. But if Brent Burns has 35 goals, that's... Is that an Eric Carlson reference? Yes. No, we don't want to go here. Trust me, we don't want to. Oh, Eric. we need to go here. You're both in studio. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm Eric Eric Carlson had. I got to think about wearing a wig. Yeah, Eric <laughs> Carlson had like a. I don't know what you would call it, like. Yeah, Bobby, remarkable. Bobby Orr like. Yeah, offensive season. I mean, yes. putting up those numbers and not winning. I mean, I know that. Like, I'm all for giving the Norris to the best all around defenseman. I'm all for it, but it, and it's all almost turned into. Oh, the defenseman who scores the most points wins that has, it. That is That's wrong. Started, which it yeah. is. Yeah, I agree. It's almost like you should have two awards. Yes. Wait, are you guys on the same page? Yeah, Eric best offensive yeah, defenseman we've, we've been and on the best same page the whole defensive time, defenseman. Because, I mean, you got the Selkie. <laughs> you got the Selkie who goes to the best, like, all-around forward or, you know, best defensive Best forward. all-around center, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, best, yeah. That's all it ever is. Yeah, the Patrice Bergeron prize. Um, so I mean, yeah, why why not make another prize and give it to the best defensive defenseman? Then this is very disappointing. I thought you two might actually oh, like sorry. start what would we call that, though? fighting each Throw other. Something at him. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought this oh, was going to yeah. get intense. What, what, you know, what would we call the best defensive defenseman trophy? The Doug Harvey. Hmm. 
I like Doug Harvey. Apparently. You're yeah. willing to just name a trophy after him. Just, well, like, just like that. He was quick, too. Scott yeah. Stevens. Like he's been waiting all this time. A, um, more, more recent more. reference? Yeah. I don't The Stevens Award? That doesn't seem... It does have to have How about a, the Streisand Award? How do you feel about that? <laughs> wrong sport. Sorry. There's got to be a different sport. You know, you were talking about San Jose repeating. We've talked many times about how nobody's repeated as cup champ since Detroit did it before the lockout, well before the lockout, 97, 98. Yes. Detroit is also, the, and they're not even in the conference anymore, the no. last team in the Western Conference to make it to back-to-back Stanley Cup finals. Which is crazy when you think about it, because it's really only been Chicago and L.A. the last few years. It feels like it's, it's only been Chicago and, and L.A. and uh, San Jose. Man, if, if you take Detroit out of the mix, I'm going back. It's a really long time since it's, it's, it's Dallas. You know what's crazy with, with Detroit, too, is I was writing something up on them for FanRag uh, Hockey yesterday. Since the last time that they missed the playoffs, they've switched conferences. The conferences have switched names. The divisions have switched names. Like, they used to be, what, the, the Norris and the Patrick and the Smythe, and, and now it's, it's I mean, the league is so different. How many teams were there the last time Detroit missed the playoffs? 21? Because that was before San Jose was even in the league. It's crazy. So... Anyway, I have a note here that says you have something you want to talk about with Calgary before I move out of this division. Oh, I think we just did talk about it all. Okay. I just wanted to bring up all the things that that are going on there. It's it's you know it's not one thing. You can you can certainly point to goaltending as the major issue there. They're twentieth in the league in goals against per game, so clearly they're having an issue there. And some of that is the team in front of them. But Brian Elliott's just been bad this year. Chad Johnson played well for a while. You don't expect a backup to sustain that over the course of a season. Not for the whole year, no. But. Again, there are other things. I mean, why Sam Bennett scratched two games ago? He's obviously not giving them anything. In fact, he did. He just last last night he scored his first goal and first point of the month. It's absurd. So that's a problem. Yeah, he went like what twelve games. Yeah. Oof. And if you're a rookie breaking in, you can't you can't do that. Like you no. talk about Anze Kopitar's having a subpar year, but everybody knows he'll turn it around at some point, whether it's later in the season or if it's in the playoffs, if LA gets there or whatever. But with Bennett, there's not enough of a track record to say, okay, he'll, he'll get through this. Maybe he will, but you don't know. We had a conversation during the summer, didn't we, when we had Curtis Pachelka on, asking, is there a possibility that Bennett becomes the better center of the two between he and Sean Monahan? Well, right now, it's, I mean, the, the gap is crazy. Because That's, yeah. Bennett hasn't done anything. It's still possible, right? You can, this could be part of the process. Sam Reinhart is the better Sam of that draft so far, <laughs> which, which needs to be its own award. All right, so with the Wingles trade, um, that sort of kicks off trade season in the, in the NHL. It might be three weeks before another one is made, but it, it is an interesting concept this year with just two teams really being out of it. That means, do the math, 28 teams are still in it, so there's a lot more buyers than sellers. Any of these teams in particular stand out to you as being in a difficult spot? I'll, just, I'll start off with Detroit. The only guy that they have that's an unrestricted free agent that's contributing in a big way that I think teams would want would be Thomas Vanek. But he's also maybe been their best player this year. They've got young guys, especially at the forward position, that are sort of learning from playing alongside him. I don't know if, if Detroit even wants to make a move one way or the other. Yeah, it's it's really tough for the teams right on the fringes, right? Do you, do you really believe that's everybody. that everybody moves? Well, I mean, there are teams it's, it's that, all but the like nine teams. Division. Yeah, Everybody but the Metro. But if, you, if you're on the fringes, do you really want to make that addition? Does it, does it do anything for you? Do you really believe if you're Detroit and you eke in to the playoffs and then you have to play the Metro winner that you're, you're going to do anything in the postseason? It's, is it worth it? And then you hear rumors, you know, coming from good reporters like Mark Lazarus, 
saying that the Blackhawks are sniffing around Gustav Nyquist and Thomas Tatar, which on the face of it, you're like, why would Detroit move either one of those players? But it's out there, and, and it doesn't get reported from a source like that unless there's some fuel to it. So what is Detroit thinking right now? It's really confusing to me. I'm not sure where they're going, what direction they're thinking. It makes sense, though, that Chicago would think that Oh, way. absolutely, yeah. You, of course, the Blackhawks have been looking for someone to play with Jonathan Taves ever since Brandon Sod left town. There's no way Brent Seabrook is involved in this, is there? <laughs> I, I can dream. Can't I'm going to be really upset if a team contract? helps Chicago yeah, out of that get, contract. Get, Ooh, Red Seabrook's contract. Yeah, get Gustav Nyquist back. That would be sweet for them. Yeah, yeah. Then, and still have cap space to do something yep. else then because you just moved that this is why mammoth contract. Don't make trades with Chicago. This is why people hate Chicago too, right? Because <laughs> yeah. they'll like do something like that. They will, but yeah, you, you need somebody else you willing to do down it. the right side of your defense they, for years Well, Detroit's got a big issue on the right side of their defense. They do. Yeah, that's just... Yeah, the Blackhawks need to stop making these good trades, okay? <laughs> what teams stop need it. to stop making them stop with Here's them. Here's the thing about Stan Bowman. I'll say this about him, and sometimes it doesn't work out, right? You go and get Andrew Ladd, and you're out in the first round. Yeah. Granted, Brent Seabrook hit two posts. Otherwise, we might be singing a different tune. Two, two posts on the same shot. On the same shot, yes. So, okay. But so many GMs are just afraid to make trades. It just doesn't happen enough. There's, there's so much of what in, what's involved with being a general manager in this league is, how do I stay alive? How do I keep my job? They're, they're risk averse, I think, in a lot of situations. That's why I admire what he does. You admire what a guy like Mark Bergevin did this offseason, where he went and got Radulov, first of all. They scouted him for like two years, That's just bring him move. in, and he's been an incredible boost to that team. You give up And nothing. then you make the trade, the defensive trade, where you just got killed. And I still think down the road, P.K. Subban's going to be around a lot longer. Shea Weber's been terrific, and Montreal is their contender. The reason that GMs are hesitant to make trades is because they make trades with Chicago and get burned. So that's the issue here. If you're going to wade into that water, don't make a trade with Chicago. Come up with a different move to make. <laughs> um, you mentioned the Brent Seabrook shot last year off two posts, and they lose to St. Louis in round one. St. Louis going to make the playoffs this year? I still think they're in. Okay. Does St. Louis have a goalie? No. No. They really it's Carter Hutton is the starter now. I mean, he shut out Pittsburgh last night, so I would think at this point he at least has the edge over Jake Allen, who hasn't been with the team in a week. Yeah. I mean, it's weird, too, because, I mean, they did give Allen an extension, and that kicks in next year, higher cap and everything. So you would, you would think that they would have more patience with him. But, I mean, you, you hear stuff that they're looking for a goalie. And you're like, okay, so you're giving up on Allen already? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what it sounds but like. But it's a weird goalie market, too, because there's some teams, like Pittsburgh, they need to make a big decision. Like, mm-hmm. Tampa. I mean, they, yeah, Tampa. And I think that if Vasilevsky was playing better, then Tampa would have already moved Bishop. I agree with that. At this point, they might just see him as a rental, almost. And you stick, keep both of them, try to make the playoffs. And I still think that if Tampa gets healthy, yes. they could go and win the Cup. Yeah, Tampa's. I'm. I'm glad you said that because I've been I'll mocked. Take it out over, no, you know what? My, this microphone. I've had it with this mic. Um, yeah, I was mocked and ridiculed quite a bit this past week, not by Craig, but by by others for saying that Tampa Bay is I going. Didn't get in on that. No, you may, may have thought it. I absolutely think Tampa makes the playoffs and wins at least a, a, a series, and they're. Maybe they'll get back to the cup because that would be three straight deep runs, but that's a dangerous team, but you're right. And they're tied for last in the Eastern Conference. They are, but it's they're crazy. more talented than those other teams. They are. It's. I, you know, health is a big thing here. Health is a big thing here. 
but uh, their goaltending hasn't been very good, and they, they need help on their blue line as well. Their goaltending hasn't been good. Um, their situation is a little bit different from Pittsburgh just in that they can treat Ben Bishop as a rental. I wonder how many of these teams, like St. Louis with Shattenkirk, how many of these teams are going to just treat their own guys like rentals. The thing with Pittsburgh, kind of looked at this a little bit deeper, Craig did yesterday to try and figure out the, the ins and outs of this, Pittsburgh has to move Marc-Andre Fleury or they're losing Matt Murray in the expansion draft. Yeah, because That's, he signed through t- past 2020, they, he has to be protected. Yeah. So it's a, it's a rough situation. For them. They, yeah, they have to move him. And to piggyback off that, it's not like, like with Tampa, they can just, they can, let's have two goalies, see if we can make a run, and then we'll protect Vasilevsky because Ben Bishop's a free agent. Pittsburgh can't, they can't expose Marc-Andre Fleury in the expansion draft because of his, his no-movement clause. So they literally will lose Matt Murray if they don't make a trade. I'm in full panic mode at this point. <laughs> Matt Murray is clearly the better goalie. He just won them a Stanley oh, yeah. Cup. I mean, so much better. And the thing is, too, that, you know, do you get Fleury to give up that no-movement clause? Or is he going to just, no, I'm not moving? He can do that. And I'm sure he realizes if he wants to be the goalie in Pittsburgh, if he doesn't give up that clause, he will it, be the goalie in is Pittsburgh. Is it limited? Are there a list of teams? He can, or is it a full? I believe he can put a list, or maybe he does have a list of teams. Okay, um, yeah, because if it's a full one, he could really screw that team. He could. And he screws them in the playoffs every other year. <laughs> oh, yeah, that he does. <laughs> yes. So, wow. um, I mean, they would be fine this year. It would be nice to have two goalies and make a run, which, again, back to Tampa, that's what they can do if, if they get in. Uh, Pittsburgh's going to be in. They can go with the two goalies, but then they're going to lose Murray if, if they do that. I mean, the other thing would be if you could, if you could talk to Fleury and be like, okay, well, we'll keep you for this run, and then we'll trade your, trade you before, the draft. Yeah. So, other than St. Louis, which contenders need a goalie? Well, does I mean St. Louis makes the most sense for Calgary? Calgary. Yeah, I mean they're not a contender, but no. they could be a playoff team, and they need a goalie for the future. But yep. if you're looking at Fleury or Bishop, don't. You know, and Bishop does make some sense with Tampa, but then, yeah, the places they make the most sense. At the start of the year, we would have said Dallas, but it really is St. Louis and Calgary right now. If you're St. Louis, why wouldn't you trade for Fleury or Bishop? I mean, the, the thing with Dallas is, I mean, I hate a lot on Lekotonen and Niemi. Like, I don't think either one of them is very good. You're, you're not alone in that. But they've been playing pretty solid. It's their, their PK has been so... Poor. It's been, I mean, what are they, like second last or something like that? You guys have computers. I don't. So. <laughs> you think these are computers? You buy one. Do, yeah. a, do a stats <laughs> check for me there. Um, uh, you know, Jamie never demands we do anything. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you know, it is, you know. No, what I mean, they're, they're, coffee, you know. yeah, their five-on-five play is actually pretty solid. Yeah. And Dallas is another team that you would think if they make the playoffs, they could be dangerous. Yeah. But I've and, seen and the their thing is too with that bad. with their contracts too, it's really hard to move either one of those guys. Yeah, it, it is. It's tougher for Dallas to trade for Flurry or Bishop because then they would have three goalies. That what are you going to do? They might still. I mean, and again, that that would depend on what they do over the stretch. They got they just lost last night in overtime to Minnesota, right? So yes, they need to get on a run here to even show that they're going to be a playoff team. Dallas is second to last in the penalty kill. Yeah, there you go. I was right. Yeah, only Buffalo's yeah. worse. Calgary intrigues me. I, I don't know what they're thinking. I, I don't know what their system looks like, other than I know they have Tyler Parsons, who just played really well at the World Juniors, but he's probably he's, he's 19 years old, yeah. so you can't possibly think he's going to be ready quite yet, right? Maybe he'll be in the A next year, but how far is he away? He's not yeah, ready to step in and carry through no, the playoffs. No. 
Um, when's the last time a rookie stepped in and won a team at Stanley? Okay, well, oh. last year. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, okay. No, I, look, back to your earlier point, if I'm Brad Tree Living and I don't have a contract and I feel like I have to make the playoffs this year, I'm finding a way to get Fleury or Bishop. Yeah. Uh, and I guess for a team like Calgary, Fleury probably makes more sense because he'll get you to the playoffs every year and you have him signed past this year, whereas Bishop's just a rental for this year. Maybe Bishop is easier to sell to management because you're not on the hook for the rest of his contract after this well, year. you have to give up to get him. Yeah. Probably not that much. I mean, Tampa can't keep him, and Pittsburgh needs to get rid of Fleury. Like, their leverage is gone. So you probably don't have to give up that much. I don't know. Something to keep an eye on. I, I guess because there's not a lot. There's probably not a lot of demand for a goalie. So the, those those teams are probably thinking we 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 got to move this guy. If we want if we want to get something for him, we got to move him. And there are not a lot of teams that need a goalie. So no. yeah, you're probably right in terms of supply and demand. That they might be able to swing that without having to give up that much. What if you want to add a top four defenseman? <sighs> Basically, just empty out your entire prospect right now, pool and put it on the table. So high. They're going, to be, they're going to be a bunch of teams, right? So Everybody, there's, basically. There's an enormous demand for it. There's not much of a supply for it. And oh, Are we talking about Kevin Shattenkirk now? Or? Yeah, I mean, he's like I mean, the main what, what guy. What defines yeah. a top four? Because a lot of teams are going to be looking for defensive help, and they may overpay to get a guy that probably doesn't fit that role because there's so much demand, so little supply. But, yeah, I talked to several executives who say the asking price right now is ridiculous. Give me an example. Toronto's looking for help on D. That's the next step for this team. They have so many talented forwards, but if they want to improve, they got to improve on the back end. And they are at the moment, just to support your argument, in a playoff spot. In a playoff spot, and Boston is right there with them. And Boston's played six more games than them. Mm-hmm. So Toronto, it looks like, is probably going to make the playoffs. What yeah. is up with that scheduling, by the way? I don't know. It, I don't it know. is weird. Yeah, that is the, so. You see that disparity with a few teams. Yeah, that's like weird. the Blackhawks for a while. I played more te- games than anybody. Well, some of it's the bye weeks. I get that, but there's no way Boston played six games while Toronto even was the, the bye week started. You had that, that yeah. divide. It was weird. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I'm just we, there's a whole lot we could say about NHL schedule makers, but there is. But with Toronto, it, there's been a lot of talk that they're going to trade JBR. I don't think any of it's really come from Toronto. First of all, I've never I've never seen that source, but there's just been this assumption that he's going to get moved. He's the logical guy to get moved. But from everybody that I'm talking to, JVR is not going to land you a top four defenseman. JVR and something else is not going to land you a top four defenseman in this year's trade. No, it's going to have – it would have to be – it would have to be JVR, a top-level prospect, and a pick. No. It's, and see, that's it the could, thing. The, the key piece here, JVR is not going to be the key piece no. in any deal. Teams are asking for, like, Nylander or Marner. You're not and getting sort of deal. Yeah, and then you I just know, hang but, up but the that's, phone. That gives yeah. you, you you probably do hang up the phone, but then you go without your top four defenseman, and that's what's again getting the bringing this all back to Kevin Shattenkirk, and we all know I like to do this. We need to just have him on so the show. At some if, point. if St. Louis is now actually considering moving Shattenkirk because you know they might think we're a fringe team, we're probably not going to make that cup run that we envisioned in the last year of his contract, so we should probably get something for him. Well, if you're going to go out and ask those prices. What contending team, first of all, is going to give up significant pieces like that when they think, we have a chance this year? It's not going to happen. So you either settle for less now. You either realize that you blew it by not trading him during the draft when his stock was highest, or you just hang on to him and let him walk, right? Well, yeah. I mean, he Probably have to settle for less. He could be your own rental, as we talked about last week, although St. Louis is on the fringe of missing the playoffs. So if you missed the playoffs and you held on to Kevin Shattenkirk, you look so bad. Yeah, ownership. And, yeah, you look terrible at that point. 
if Toronto was willing to give me JVR for a guy that I know will not be back next year, well, that's what we've been talking about. Is there a team in the East that has forwards that will give you one for your defenseman? And St. Louis still has defensemen. It's not like they'll be suddenly terrible on the back end and you get JVR out of it. The Rangers are the other team we always talk about in this mix because they have so much forward depth. Those those would be the teams that I would think would be in the mix. I would take that that deal if I was St. Louis, if that was a real deal. Okay, well, how about this then? If you're Pittsburgh... Okay. You can call the Blues and say, hey, we got a goaltender that you need, and we would love to get Chad and Kirk in, even as a rental. I mean, I, Pittsburgh, you, I think, would I mean, definitely from both do it. sides, like, yeah. does that make sense? I, I don't know if St. Louis – I guess it makes sense for St. Louis, doesn't it? To take to take Flurry? Take Flurry yeah. for the – because then you have – well, see, the thing is, Flurry is then your goalie because he signed past this year. So yeah. then you're done with Jake Allen. But uh, Pittsburgh would definitely do it because it helps them twice. Sure. You, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Win-win for them. Yeah. But if you're the Blues, I mean, could that be one way of, you know, not getting rid of Shattenkirk? But but we need a goalie desperately. This yeah, is a way to, to get you, one. To actually, you know, bolster It's an interesting team. thought. You could sell it to your fan base because one of the toughest things that we've been saying is how do you sell to your locker room or your fan base – yeah, we're a cup contender this year. We just traded away Kevin Shattenkirk. Now you could say, we just shored up our goaltending situation and got something for a guy we were going to lose. Hey, we just got the guy that was responsible for several playoff flameouts for the Penguins. Yes, now he can do it that. here. But, the guy that but he has just two, killed five minutes. He, he has two Stanley Cup rings, though, yes. so that's how you can yeah. sell it. And he was big in the first one. One when he was playing. Yeah, well, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> Probably should have had a couple In more. the previous decade. Um, <laughs> d- details, okay? You're getting something yeah, for... That's uh, not quibbled over who killed who. And, and Shattenkirk <laughs> would definitely be a rental for Pittsburgh. They can't re-sign him. So then he hits the market, and I don't uh-huh. know, if you're St. Louis... Yeah, you that's, know, that's interesting. Something. Shattenkirk, man, I, I'm, I'm fascinated. If, if they actually trade him at the trade deadline, it's, that, that one's going to get so much scrutiny. If that trade right there happens, that would be one of the biggest mm-hmm. trades I can remember at the, at the deadline in terms of big-name players going both ways between contenders at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Usually it's, it's, it's sort of lopsided of we'll give you this guy who's going to help you for sure, or you give us two prospects and a pick or something. Yeah. That's yeah. too big. But that's we've been saying on the show for two months, for St. Louis to make a trade that makes sense, they need to get somebody back that helps them this year. And the only way to really do that is not to trade a defenseman for another defenseman. It's basically a rental for a rental. Well, that's, I like that. From that standpoint, that makes a lot of sense in that you, you help it. Pittsburgh would want to do it. Fine, this is a piece that we want to give up off of our cup-contending team because that, that's what St. Louis needs, like you just said. So that trade makes sense in some ways. That, that's interesting to think about because most of the other ones don't make sense. It, I understand Pittsburgh's logic and Jim Rutherford's logic of, look, we won last year when our starting goalie was hurt and the other one stepped in. We feel like we can win the cup this year, so we'd like to keep both of our goalies. That makes the perfect sense. In a perfect world, you would do that. But if you can get Kevin Chadkirk for a playoff run. Well, and uh, just move Mark Andre Flurry. Yeah, you're. You have you're to move Flurry. You have to do you that. Have to. You have to move Flurry for a fourth defenseman or whatever. You just have to move Flurry at this point. And I think it's probably easier to go to him and say, "We we Could are." They afford to sh- sign Shattenkirk beyond this year. They can't, no. can they? No. So so it'd just be a rental to chase the cup this year. But the bigger thing is you keep Murray, and I think it's easier to make that case to Flurry. Hey, waive your no trade clause. We're going to send you to a team that is contending for a cup this year, and you're going to play. Yeah, you're, you're going to be the guy that they're going to ride into the playoffs. So, so that's, that's interesting. But looking at the trade deadline beyond the the goaltending position, which 
makes things pretty interesting. I mean, when you when you look at Tampa and Pittsburgh, they're probably the ones that are controlling the goaltending market right now at the trade deadline. But when you look elsewhere, there's only two teams, as we mentioned earlier, that have, that are out of the playoff race, and that's Colorado and Arizona. Colorado, I, I, I still don't get why they would want to move some of those core pieces at the, on their forward group because that's what you build around. The problem is not that core group. The problem is the trash around them. Their depth is just awful. That team, when you look at the players that are playing around them, it's, it's just awful. So you got to fill in around. But maybe they do move a, a Gabe Landeskog. So they're in the mix. The only other team that's in the mix is the Coyotes. So they have a, they're in a really interesting position here. And one of the players that, you know, Martin Hansel and Michael Stone have been mentioned a million times as trade possibilities. I'm really intrigued by Redeem Verbata. Because in some ways, you could say he's not going to bring that high a draft pick to the Coyotes want to acquire, you know, let's say a fourth-round pick for Verbata. Does that make any sense? Do they even care about acquiring another fourth-round pick? But when there's such a scarcity of players available, when you're only talking about two teams being out of it, and maybe the Eastern Conference looks this way in another month. Maybe everybody's still in contention or thinks they're in contention. That drives up the price because there's very little supply. Yeah, I mean, a lot that, of that is great for the Coyotes, and it's great for Colorado if they, you know, for some reason, like you said, if they say, okay, we're, we're, giving, we're giving up on Landeskog. We need to shake up this core. You know, you, you've heard some of that, that they want to shake up things. And I'm not sure that trading your captain is the right way to do it, but <laughs> your young captain, by yeah. the way, not yeah, it's not like know. he's at the end of his career. I don't get it either. And well, he's I also mean, signed. Yeah, so it's it's a great thing for those two teams if if the East stay this competitive because yeah, it will raise prices. Well, and along those lines, I mean, probably move quickly if you're the Coyotes or the Avalanche if you want to trade somebody because some of these teams in the East are going to start to drop out. I mean, once you get to late February, even if they're not out of it, teams are going to look around and say, well, all 16 of us aren't making the playoffs in this conference, so let's make trades. But the, the, the thing about that, though, is the, what you, when you talk to executives right now, though, I'll, I'll tell you, they're still in waiting mode. There's some preliminary discussions, but nobody's really ready to pull the trigger yet. I think GMs of those other teams are still waiting to see where they're going to be, so I'm not sure they're ready to pull the trigger on a trade for a player from the Coyotes yet. So something but could actually happen on deadline day? I think we're going to have a lot. Of, I think this is going to be one of those years where oh boy, there's a flurry on deadline day. Be, well, I, I can't say a flurry, flurry, but I, I think the no. deals that happen will go right to the deadline because of the situation we have right now in the NHL standings with everybody being in it. Yeah, because I feel like year after year we're like, right, oh, we talk deadline about it, day, then, it's going to be awesome, yeah. and then and it's nothing. Boring, yeah. And then TSN has 12 hours of coverage. Although, Ugh. we're not even talking about the simple fact that Vegas being involved and coming in with the expansion draft is going to impact this as well. I want to get to that in just a minute. Just okay. a, another point on Verbata. If, if he does go somewhere, you know, everybody looks at his, his low salary, but he has a lot of bonuses on his contract. He's got a bonus for games played. If he gets to 40 points, which he's going to, he's only seven away now. And then he has playoff incentives for every round of the playoffs. All of those bonuses get paid by the team that picks him up at the trade deadline. So that's like $2 million in bonuses that they have to think about. That can't. That doesn't count against the cap, though, because there's no way you would know that. Right, but it's, it's just money that you got to pay. Yeah. Okay. So, so let him hit that 40 mark first. No, no, that's, they would still go. Those get paid at the end of the season. Oh. So anybody who picks him up has to pay all those bonuses. So that's a consideration. I'll, I'll be writing about this later today, but it's something to think about. Still, 
And it's not that much money, and Redeemer Mata is leading the Coyotes in points. Right I would now. want that check right away as soon as I get that forty. Yeah, I would want to be in the locker room, see that check sitting on on the bench in that intermission. Yeah, as you walk in, it's like exactly. your summer vacation money. And then I'll do a mobile way. deposit, and then we're all good. Then you'll go back out on the ice for the third period. Yep, <laughs> and be super happy. <laughs> but yeah, Vegas. Vegas. Well, hold on. I don't want to step on your verbata story, but verbata. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, he he did teach us how to pronounce his yeah. name, and I keep going American with it. Um, but you and I see this a lot now. He's a leader on this Coyotes team, too, mm-hmm. in the locker room, not just the, the points leader, and on pace for about 55 points. So people will say, well, the Coyotes don't score that much. Well, that's fine. He's on pace for 55 points, and he's still cheap even with the bonuses. 55 points is nothing to laugh at it in this, this year, the, the NHL, the way it has been the last couple of years. But he's helpful off the ice to, to a lot of these young Coyotes players who have had seven guys make their NHL debut this year. I don't want to see him leave. I understand yeah. that if you can get something, maybe you trade for him, maybe you re-sign him at the end of the year, but he's got value here. Especially if Shane Doan's not here next year, which that, that's my expectation that this is la- Shane Doan's last season in the NHL. So if your captain is gone, you need veteran leaders to show these guys the way. You can't go the Edmonton route or you... Or you go the Edmonton you, route. <laughs> yeah, you missed the playoffs for a decade and the Coyotes are halfway there. Then you're waiting for the next Connor McDavid, yes. who's about eight years old right you now. You need leadership. You need leadership. And, and I really, I've seen it this season. I was talking to him about it yesterday. I've seen it this season. And maybe it's just my observations. But Verby's always been a really quiet guy. He's really come out of his shell a lot more. You, you hear it in interviews. He's, he's humorous. He's, he's off the cuff. It's great to talk to him. But he's also, I see him talking to players. Christian Dvorak is one guy in particular that I always see going to Verbata. They sit next together next to each other in the locker room, so that helps. But he's going to him for advice at all. Verbi loves him. The feeling's mutual. I talked to Dvorak about it yesterday. You need that kind of influence in your locker room. So if a guy is just dying to play here anyway, he brings that. He brings scoring to the ice, and he's cheap. Why the heck wouldn't you bring him back for another year? You, we've talked about this on the show before, and we talked about it last week. You can't... You can't necessarily go out in the offseason and, and look at your team and say, we've got a really young team. We need a veteran that can come in here and be a leader. You can do that at the start of the season better than at the trade deadline. I get that. But it's a lot easier if you can say, this guy's been here three times already. We know he's a leader. The players already know him. And, and he doesn't cost us much. Yeah, and he produces on the ice. And you know, to, to your point, I mean, he said, Verbata said himself when he was on this show a month or two ago, He's not necessarily a vocal guy, but if players come up and ask him questions, he will embrace it. And it's it's weird because ever since that interview, we've seen a lot of players come up and ask him questions, and he's totally embracing it. Oh, that's, I don't think it's weird at all since we said it's just the power of the interview. interview. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I mean, he really wants to be here. Yes. He loves it here. Desperately wants to be here. So, I mean, with when you look at the money, look at the contract he just took. Yeah, but I mean, if, if we go backtrack a little... And we don't want to talk too much about Hansel, I guess, because it's been beaten to death. But that is another player now that he's actually playing pretty good. He's healthy for once. And that could drive up that price a little, too, if he stays healthy in all those teams out east. Yeah, absolutely. I I think there will be a a healthy market for Martin Hansel. There's a lot of things that he does. He may not produce offensively for you like you would want from a number two center, but Man, he can match up against a lot of guys. He wins faceoffs, creates net presence. There's a lot of good things that he does when he's on the ice, and there's not a lot of guys like him. So I, I think there's going to be a, a really healthy demand for him. I, I, you know, I, we've talked about this before. Could could Martin Hansel be 
part of a package deal for Kevin Shattenkirk. I'm not sure Shattenkirk would want to come here um, at the trade deadline. Maybe he wants to go play for a cup, but St. Louis could use Martin Hansel, certainly, after losing David Backus last year. Could you create a package involving him that could entice St. Louis to trade you Kevin Shattenkirk? Shattenkirk is a weird situation for a team like the Coyotes because I feel like they have a... I feel like they have a good shot of getting him in the offseason. But you're right. If you're Shattenkirk, wouldn't you kind of rather go on your your cup run this year and then sign with a team like the Coyotes in the offseason? If he signed with the Coyotes in the offseason, that's a very good defense. When you pair him with Oliver ekman Larson and have everybody else fall down one spot behind him, that's, that's a great defense. But, you know, to your to your point on Hansel, there's certain guys at the trade deadline you look and you're like, okay, well, for them to go to a, a, a contender, what is their role? If Hansel goes somewhere and is a third-line center on a, on a cup contender, ugh, that's a real nice addition. It sure is. So I want to go back before we jump on to Vegas. When you say a the asking price for a top-four defenseman is astronomical right now at the deadline, are you talking specifically about a top-four defenseman that is already signed beyond this year, or are you talking about a rental, or does it even matter? Because Shattenkirk's just a rental. It okay. doesn't matter. If you want that piece, even for a cup run, you're going to have to pay out the nose. <laughs> as as one executive said, firstborn. That's what's being born. asked Ooh. right now. <laughs> yeah, I would not. I would not give up my firstborn for anything. So but the C and Sebastian just had a firstborn. Yeah. Not even for Kevin Shattenkirk would he make that. Not deal. even for Kevin Shattenkirk. <laughs> it's then you know in that regard, I don't know. The more I think about it, if Shattenkirk makes a ton of sense for Toronto because he's just a rental, and Toronto's not winning the cup this year. But could they sign him beyond this year? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you can he, sign to be on this year without trading for him, too. It's true. Yeah, and when Toronto's not winning the Cup this year, so... Don't tell them that, though. The path <sighs> yeah, don't the tell city. them hey, that. I, yeah. I, I, I don't mind that there's so much excitement up there. It's, it's I don't either. I, I like the Leafs being good in this league. I really do. And they're, they have good reason to be excited. Not, not only... Not, it's not just they're doing well. That team's so much fun to watch. They are. They That's are. just going to be a I really mean, what, what's the Toronto media one. doing now, then? Who knows? Because, I mean, they're, they're really good at complaining. Yes, they are. That's so their special skill. Now where things actually starting to go well, are they just, I don't know what they're complaining about They're in this sweet now. spot between complaining and having lofty expectations yeah. is what I would say right like, now. This is like the safest time for Maple Leafs management and coaching and players yeah, right now. Like, yeah. who, who's we're new... building right now, and look, we're showing promise. Okay, wow, okay, we won't complain anymore. We're going to step back for a moment. But in two years... In two years, if two you're not years. ready to win Maybe a cup. Maybe next year, right? Well, yeah, we're going to be like, on your case. Who's the new Phil Kessel? Like, who are they going <laughs> Who are they going to be chirping at? Let's see. Who's the most likely of that trio? It's it, they. Look, Matthews is American, but he's too good for them to yeah. chirp at. Maybe Neilander. It's got to be Neilander, right? Got to be. Like, it's not going to be Marner because he's good old Canadian boy. Yeah. Yeah, Matthews has won that town over already. They're just absolutely in love with that kid. If they want to trade, they should because he's, as we said previously, exceeded all expectations. You've, Sebastian's probably seen more of Nylander than, than we have. I mean, what I've seen, I'm pretty impressed by. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been weird, too, though, where Babcock has put him on the fourth line as a center. Yeah, that's a little odd. But it's because Babcock's like, well, you know, if you're going to be a centerman, a top centerman, you got to get more of an all-around game. Yeah. And that's why he's, I think he's better suited to play on the wing at this point of his career and just play with the top, in the top six. But, I mean, it's still a, a very promising guy to have on your fourth line because he could create these magical moments. 
he's probably of the uh, Marner's pretty flashy too. I mean, Matthews just goes out and scores goals. He doesn't yeah. really have flashy goals. Nylander's there's a lot of skill there, like a lot of high end dramatic skill. I don't know Toronto. I've said this before. I think four Canadian teams make the playoffs this year. Crazy. And that uh, is crazy. But no, I mean, and the thing is too now that we're starting to see Anderson actually finding his game too. He looks good. He struggled a lot in the beginning. He was. He was almost being too aggressive. Like, he would, he would come out so far to challenge the shot. And now I think he's pulled back a little, and he's starting to look more like the Anderson we saw in Anaheim, where he was playing in front of a much better defense. Yeah, that's the key. Much better defense in Anaheim. I think it probably there was an adjustment period to playing behind this defense, but then also realizing the team he's on now can score goals. He doesn't have to be perfect to win games. He can win games 4-3 most nights. And so he really has settled in. To the point where, even if they don't trade for a guy like Kevin Shattenkirk, I do think they'll make some sort of move for a defenseman. And Craig and I were talking about this earlier, too. James Van Riemsdyk wasn't necessarily part of... He's not part of this core. Like, I wouldn't trade him if I was Toronto. But if they're going to move a piece, it makes more sense to move him than Marner. Yeah, what is he going to cost us to sign him to another contract? Yeah. And how does that mesh with, you know, all these young players that we'll, we'll have to pay? That's, that's the, those are the things you take into account. I mean, he's, he's a proven goal scorer in this league, yep. so he should have value. And I, I think he can get you a, a legitimate top four defenseman. But if I'm trading for a guy, especially a second pairing no, I, defenseman. I, look, I mean, both me and Greg are like shaking our heads here. Uh, no, I don't think JBR will bring you a top four defenseman. I just don't think his reputation is that good. Like, so a fourth defenseman. You don't think JVR can bring you that? I mean, it's I'm all not about the market. I'm yeah. not arguing with you guys because you're saying like, that if, is if you the remove, market. Yeah, if you if you remove the factors that we're talking about, maybe. But yeah, when you you have to judge it by the market. What's yeah. the market dictating right now? And that's what it's dictating. Well, I mean, at least thing. right now, right? That's it could change thing. in a month, I suppose, if more teams yeah. drop out. If a couple of those Eastern teams just suddenly plummet, maybe yeah. it changes. But right now, that's what it looks like. I mean, for, I don't see Stone as a top four guy. Mm. I don't. But even if if Arizona. You know, if they don't want to resign him, you can send him, and you can keep, you know, some of the cap for this year. Yeah, he could actually bring a pretty good pick in because of the market. The, this is JVR's numbers last couple of years. Okay, I'm just looking at goals: 16 this year in 45 games. So you know, about 30 per 82 games. Last year he only played 40 games. He had 14 goals. So again, right around that. 27 the year before, 30 the year before. You're basically trading for a guy that's going to get you right around 30 goals. And he's only 27. I would absolutely, depending on the team, give up my fourth defenseman for that or my third defenseman. I'm not giving up a top two guy, and I'm not giving up a guy that that my whole cup run hinges on. It it depends on the team. But, yeah, if I've got defensemen, I'm calling Toronto right now. I'm at least calling. Yeah, but Toronto... Maybe I'll just call Toronto. Toronto doesn't need a fourth guy, though. They need a top two guy. I understand, but that's what I'm saying. I don't know if I'd give up a top two guy, but if the market is a top four guy... I'd, I'd find a way to... What happens least, to all the defensemen? There aren't any. Especially I've, right-handed. I've said this yeah. multiple times on the show. If you are a parent of a child that wants to make it to the NHL, yep. have them play defense. And shoot right. Yeah, and shoot right. It's not that hard to shoot right because most p- people are right-handed anyway. Just hand them a right-handed stick when they're three, and you can start spending the money already at that point because yeah. they're guaranteed to make it. <laughs> okay. Uh, Vegas. Yeah. Except, are we talking coach here in particular? Or are we talking about... No, I just want to go to Vegas. No, Las Vegas. Oh. I saw Vegas shirts the, last night, actually, Vegas. at a local store here. I almost walked in and Still Vegas night shirts. Still haven't gotten over this. I, I don't think I'm going to bring myself to write Vegas. 
when I talk about that. I'm still going to say Las Vegas. But the name of the team is the Vegas they're, they're, they're in Las Vegas. You can't just drop half the name of your city. Yeah. You just can't do that, are as there, we talked about on the last episode. Are there you can't any, go by the Jose Sharks. Or you can't. The, I'm going Jersey by Jersey Devils Sharks. actually works, but you can't be the York Rangers or York Islanders. What? You, you cannot. You can't do it. So, or the Angeles Kings. Yeah. That, oh, that sounds so bad. That, that really does I not mean, sound good. I mean, yeah. I like Jose Shark. Yeah, Jose Shark's a great name. <laughs> Sounds like a bad... I, I do mean, like that one. We're of, talking, of all the names, that would be the best one. Yeah. Like, in fact, I would encourage them to go Yeah, because I, I remember <laughs> when they did that, and I sent just this stupid tweet where I did all that York Rangers, Jose Sharks, and um, Derek Montilla, who is a big wrestling fan and a sports figure out here in the Valley, he's like... Jose Sharks, that sounds like a really bad wrestler. I was like, yeah, it does. It, <laughs> it does. really does. And that's why it's a great name. Yeah. Yeah, but you can't call them the Lewis Blues either. Like, you got to go with the full name. <laughs> Lewis Blues. That's a good, that's a good one. Um, there's talk out of Vegas that they are going to potentially hire a coach before this season's over. Don't. Well, if they do, it's Gerard Gallant. Yeah, kind of in the same boat there. It's, it's, they're going to talk to him if they haven't already. So you don't think they should? No. I mean, look at Wait what, what. I mean, this is What's a, the rush. Yeah, and there's a later topic here, where there's a coach who could become available in Claude Julien. Yeah. And if you're, <laughs> if, are we going here again? Yeah, if you're Vegas, Claude Julien. If you're Vegas, I would, perennial hot seat. I would love to have him. Well, okay, so let's blend some of these topics together. Yes, mesh. It, the, yes, let's mesh these topics together. That's how they say blend in Sweden, apparently. Blanda. It's a mixer. Oh, it's that. a drink. Okay. Add a little Jose Shark to it. And you know, you make fun of my, my chai drink. I've seen some of the drinks you've gotten before, and they are no, no yeah, manlier. Simple names. Yeah. Simple names. Okay. Well, I just go in and I say coffee. All right. I'm yeah. just going to lay this out here. Go ahead and respond on Twitter. Which one, which one draws a little more respect? Simply a flat white or... A chai latte. I, well, when you say it like that, you could have said anything. Obviously trying to influence the crowd. <laughs> yes, here, but, this yeah. is horrible. Don't this forget not, the iced. Iced chai latte. It's a little warm out today. I don't have to defend myself. It's in too. the 50s today. What it's are you talking about? It's warm in the about? studio. Oh, okay. It's always warm in here after we turn off the AC. Hey, you know where it's warm? The hot seat in Boston. That's Ooh, where it's warm. Look Ooh. at that segue. Yep. So, I have a theory. That is, Does it involve Joe Haggerty? <laughs> I think Joe Haggerty would agree with this theory. Boston misses the playoffs. Claude Julian's out. Yes? Yes. Okay. Probably. So I'm not even sure that's really a theory. I think that's more just fact. So at that point, if you're Vegas, you're going after him? Yeah. Okay. Over Gallant. You would call him the very second that it's announced that he's leaving Boston. And you say, hi, you want to come and make a lot of money in Las Vegas and live in the desert? <laughs> you and, sound like a travel agent at that yeah. point. Hi, we'll make you a promise in addition to that. We won't trade a number one center or a top four defenseman yeah, when yeah. they're super young. Don't okay. you wish you had Tyler Sagan right now? Or Dougie Hamilton? Just saying. We need to, at some point, when we get closer to the, the Vegas draft, we need to each like draft our own teams and, and we're collectively draft the team and put together the roster on the show. I like it. Yes, that is. It's fun messing around. I know Cap Friendly has one of those yeah. where you can do the mock draft. It's a lot of fun. I'm basically waiting for this podcast to end so I can no, go do that right No, but it's really now. fun, too, because then you get a good discussion because we did this on the Swedish podcast that I do for Svenska fans, and we actually did it during the show, and we were discussing, like, who would we protect if we're this team? Who would we go after if we're Vegas? Like, you know, and it turned out to be a decent team. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, it's they're set up to, to be 
not a contender next year, but to be a, a team that can knock on the door of a playoff spot. Have they announced what division they're in yet? Do I just keep assuming it's the Pacific? It's got to be the Pacific, right? It's got to be. I, I, I want to see them, well, down the road I want to see them redo this thing again. We, we, we did that, too, on a podcast, didn't we? We yeah. probably talked about everything. We're just basically recycling podcasts at this point. Yeah, nobody remembers anyway. So, back to the Knights and the coaching hire. I mean, if, if they have accelerated the timetable, yeah, it's got to be Gallant because, he, you know, Capuana gets fired. You've, you've heard the Islanders have asked permission to talk to him, so why would you accelerate it otherwise? What's, what's the gain in accelerating it when you don't have players to coach yet? There's, no. There's nothing that the coach can really do. I mean, he can set up systems. But you, you don't you don't need to hire a coach before the summer. Decorate unless, his office. So much prep work. Unless you're yeah. afraid the guy's going to get away that you really want. Yeah. So well, it's got to be Gallant. I think that's a legitimate fear. If you yeah. wait around for Claude Julien and they make the playoffs and they make it to the second round, then maybe Boston doesn't fire Claude Julien. They just talk about it for another full year every day. But then maybe you lose out on Gallant. Maybe the Islanders get him. Maybe somebody else fires their coach that you don't want, and then they go out and get Gallant, and then then what do you do? Yeah, that's got to be the reason behind this. So again, I can't. I don't see any other game. Do you guys see? Am I missing something? No, it's got to be. No. What's the benefit to hiring a coach now versus the summer if if you're Vegas and you don't have players? If you were a coach and you had the option to coach Vegas or to coach a more established team, do you have a preference? It would depend on what what the conversation sounded like with Mm -hmm. the owner and of course the pay. What what sort of contract are they offering me? What sort of control? Do I have what sort of assurances that I'm going to be around to see this process through? All of that factors into it. But if you're, I mean, an ex- coaching an expansion team versus coaching an established team, I, I take the established team. But we're t- we're talking about the Islanders in particular. Yeah, <laughs> you must have. Yeah, seen no, that I would not take established the in what sense? In that yeah. they have been a they, team they, longer. Yes, they've been a, been a team. <laughs> yes, but they, they another team that you just wonder what the heck they're doing since. Okay, how about the franchise this? center has no wings to play with. And that's a great point. If I'm if I'm coaching an expansion team, I want assurances that I can I can be there through the whole process. I don't want to do the hard work and have somebody else take my credit in three years. But let's just say all of that is is equal. You are going to be here for five years, and your options are the Colorado Avalanche or the Vegas Golden Knights. I would go to Vegas. Would you? Yeah. I kind of think I would too. I don't understand what Colorado is. But I mean that that's the thing that that. It comes in with your personality, too, though. I would love to be a part of that project, like to do, be there from the start and really build something. Here's the other thing about that, too. When you have to look at ownership, right? What, what is your faith in ownership? It's hard to say what kind of owner Bill Foley is going to be because he hasn't done it yet, but lots of positive signs, right, from Seems him right now. Yeah, he really does seem like he wants to do it right. With Colorado, you wonder what the heck is going on with that organization. So that's going to be a big factor in weighing the decision, too. Well, it's going to be something to watch. They're, they're going to make this offseason interesting in Vegas. Um, Islanders, since we kind of touched on them, haven't lost in regulation with uh, with Doug Waite as the coach yet. Is this just a quick Feels sort of like flurry after the... Uh, do you feel like it's sustainable with that roster? No, I don't. But I, I do wonder if there's something to just having a, a fresh face behind the bench because John Tavares has really taken off in the last week too. I think there's always that, but I, I don't, again, I don't think it lasts. I think there's a, often you'll see that initial juice from a new coach coming in. Everybody's trying to prove themselves again. And then they just settle back into, Oh, we're, we're the Islanders. We're the York Islanders. <laughs> they deserve to be the York Islanders. They, really do. they can be the New York Rangers, but they should be the York Islanders. They, um, but they just offensively, they look better. Um, 
I'm not saying this is the situation that happened in Pittsburgh last year, but last year when they switched coaches, all of a sudden they opened things up offensively. I don't know for sure if that's what they're doing in York yet, but Brooklyn, they're getting more offense right now in Brooklyn. And, I mean, they just they beat Columbus last night. They beat L.A. a couple nights before that. They shut out Dallas. They just they look better. Everybody's beating Columbus now, aren't they? Yeah, Everybody's <laughs> beating the Kings, too. That's so 2016, yeah. Columbus. All right, well, okay, so nothing there. I got nothing more than that. That's uh, Dougie Wade, great player. Love the player. I yep. don't know if he can coach yet, but we'll, we're about to find out. Anything else we want to hit before we wrap this up? Any other teams that stand out to you as, as having glaring needs at the trade deadline that you think? Uh... Well, I mean, one thing that is fun, though, with Vancouver be actually being in the mix is that they're so dead set on being buyers. <laughs> and I still think this is a team who's going to drop off so hard when the Sedins leave. See, tying it all back to the Sedins. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, when they're gone, this team is in for a rough time. So if you're running Vancouver, don't you kind of have to prepare for that? Yeah, and I think the wrong, the wrong thing is trying to do a retool on the go. And, but it's hilarious to see because you're going to have a GM who's shooting from the hip and he's going to try and make this work. And then you got... You know, Boston, who also has a crazy GM, and there's, there could be potential for so many fun things to see here. <laughs> a lot of schadenfreude. I'm curious what's going to happen. Wow, look at that word. That's even bigger than your word. That. Look at that. Yeah. we got to come back with something. Now. All right, here you go. I don't have it right now. Oh, wow. I'm, just, I'm looking at the teams at the top of the standings and curious what, what moves are going to be made there as well. What do you do, if you're the Capitals, for instance, what, what do you, up until their last game, were just like killing teams. What would you do? Would you, would you do anything or would you stand pat if you're the Cavs? I, maybe I, if you're a team like that, and you probably know this from watching the Blackhawks so closely, Craig, I think your move is just to pick little pieces to fill little holes. I'm not making a big move if I'm one of these top teams. But if I'm Washington and I can find a little help on the blue line, I'm doing that. What about Montreal? What are you doing if you're the Canadians? I could see Hansel be a good fit for Montreal. Because that is a hole that they need to plug. Mm-hmm. I think Montreal, I feel like Montreal has more holes than a lot of these top teams. I agree. Yeah. So I, I do think Montreal needs to do something if they're serious about this. And when you have Carey Price, you need to be serious about it. You should be, yeah, as long as he's playing at this level. And then if you look at the teams, we already talked about San Jose and even Chicago sniffing around a couple of young Detroit players. What do you do if you're the Minnesota Wild? Are you believing because you're having this fantastic regular season that you're ready to make that next, take that next step. First of all, you're the Minnesota Wild, and secondly, Bruce Boudreaux is your coach. So those are not two; those aren't good playoff ingredients. History right is not on your side, no. and I, I don't want to put too much into that because you know eventually you know you you don't get over it until you do. You know what I'm doing if I'm Minnesota? I'm I'm doing whatever it takes to plot my course through the playoffs, where I'm not playing Chicago in round one or round two, and I'm hoping that by the time I face the Blackhawks or the Sharks or whatever, it's round three, and I've got some series wins under my belt, and I'm just trying to find the best path through the playoffs. So you're you're really happy about playing the Kings in the first round? I would prefer to play the Kings over Chicago in round one. I think Minnesota. I think there is something to the fact that Bruce Boudreaux hasn't had a whole lot of playoff success when you're talking about cups, obviously, and Minnesota hasn't either. Find a way to get a couple series wins and then go into Chicago or whatever with some momentum. And if I'm Minnesota, I'm not trading away. Like you were talking about, uh, is it Kaprasov? The, the Russian prospect they have. They also have Erickson Eck, who Sebastian's probably seen play. Yep. 
that kid looks really good. Like, how does Minnesota have these prospects and they're good? Usually when, when you look at the top collections of prospect talent by team, it's teams that aren't in the playoffs. Minnesota's in the playoffs, and they're loaded in the prospect system, too. Yeah, I mean, they've done a great job scouting, and, you know, it's starting to show here. And it's a team where they have a couple of, like, you know, they have those weird deals with Parisi and Suter, but, and Parisi really starting to taper off here. I don't know how, I mean, he's, that body just seems to be broken. Yeah, we had Michael Russo on was that last week, and he said Parisi's had strep throat three times this year. I mean, he's just having a rough year, and yet they're still winning. Yeah, and, you start, and you're, you're finally starting to see um, Grönland starting to show his capabilities because he's been such a talent, and now finally he's that starting to... That didn't sound to... anything like Grönland, by the way, did it, when no. he said it. How do you say his first name? Mikkel. Okay. Yeah. That one I actually did wonder about. So, I mean, he's finally starting to take the next step and becoming a really solid NHL player. So I think this team, and then Devin Dubnik just playing out of his mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have some ingredients. They, they could make a, a run for it. <laughs> think about Corey Hirsch. <laughs> yeah, we had Corey Hirsch on last week, too, and he said that, uh, what was his quote? With his quote Devin was, Dubnik? Devin Dubnik should be kiss, kissing Sean Burke's ass. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they've got pieces. And, uh, yeah, Kirill Kaprasov who I would guess is potentially ready to step in next year, as is Joel Erickson. Forty point Is it 40 points in 42 games in the K? Wow. Yeah. yeah. And he, he carved up everybody at the uh, the World Juniors, too. Nine goals in seven games. Yeah, he was so good. Yeah. So I just it's amazing to me that Minnesota was able to grab two players of that caliber. They got Kaprasov. Do you guys know where they drafted him? It's a fifth-round pick, isn't it? Yeah. 135th overall in 2015. Back when there was still some leeriness about him. Russian players. Mm-hmm. That was only a year and a half ago. It's all faded now. It's like everybody's like diving back into it full blower now. That you, know you see guys like Panarin come into the league and everybody's like, how did we blow that? That's going to be something I'm going to write. This is, I'm going to steal a line from you of don't steal my narrative. <laughs> I'm going to look at some of the players, the Russian players in this league that are great right now that teams passed on because of that fear, like Vladimir Tarasenko going at the end of round one. And you look at some of the players that went ahead of him, and yeah. there's a lot of players like that. So, all right, I just got a story idea. I'm going to leave. Go. We have anything else here before we wrap up? Okay. I think we brought it back to the Sedines before we ended the show. So we went full circle. Yeah. I like this. Sebastian, you're cool being full-time replacement for Jamie? Oh, yeah. So you're just going to move here? You're cool. Just no, I'll fly in once a week. Oh, okay. That's yeah. <laughs> we'll, we will get you a black coffee every week that you fly out here. We'll get you cream if you want. Hmm? We'll get you cream for it, too, if you want. No. We'll throw that in. <laughs> coffee should be drunk black. How do you feel about chai iced? No. Sebastian no. likes his coffee bitter like him. Yep. Sebastian's almost a Viking. Let's just let's call it for what it is. I'll just eat the beans. You know? <laughs> All right. On that note, for Craig Morgan and Sebastian Orr, and I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast.